Last year at South by Southwest, the CIA came and presented at a creative conference on why we need more creativity in in the world, which is interesting. I mean, they're just like finance. They're all absolutely into, you know, data, information, whatever it may be. And their argument was, and it's something that I totally believe, is that we have a lot of data. But what they said the problem was, it was a lack of creativity, a lack of creativity in innovation, in human ingenuity, and in us thinking through the problems and applying that data in the right way. That's the problem. So they went through this whole exercise of, of walking through you know, the pitfalls of not looking at things with a creative mind. Hi, my name is Adam Morgan, and I am the Executive Creative Director at Adobe. And I want you to steal my strategy. You're listening to Steal My Strategy, the show where we talk to smart people who invite you to copy, review, and remix practical ideas you can apply to life and business. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Adam, it is super exciting to have you on this podcast. You are the type of guest that one dreams about having <laughs> all of your uh, credentials and accolades. I know you're, you know you're a humble guy, but man, creative director at Adobe. Just tell us, for intro's sake, what does your job entail? Uh, so my job at Adobe is really handling and helping guide all of the creative strategy and execution. I mean, that includes everything from Adobe.com content, a lot of uh, thought leadership. We have articles and, you know, just other other content marketing that we do. We also, you know, it's all the emails, social bits, presentations, videos, events. It's just anything that has to do with creative execution. And really in terms of our team, it's more, it's everything with writing, design, uh, video, and creation of assets. Yeah. And you're really, really good at it, by the way. I, I can just tell you, like your presentation at Adobe Max, one of the best presentations by far. And just some of the accolades you have. I mean, I know you probably won't brag on yourself, but Advertising Professional of the Year, 40 Under 40, awesome, awesome book. Love Emotions Drive Business. This book is great. Actually, full title, Sorry, Spock, Emotions Drive Business, Proving the Value of Creative Ideas with Science. And, and that's one of the reasons we really wanted to have you as a guest, because you know, the, the concept of proving creativity is very difficult in such a conservative and regulated industry as financial services. But you know that already, right? You have some background in this. Space. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, that book started because eight, nine years ago, before I ever joined Adobe, I, you know, I worked for a variety of international ad agencies for almost 20 years. And one of my main clients for the last five years before I left agency world was a, a regional bank. And the question that started that whole process started with a pitch meeting of Round Creative over a billboard at a, at a bank, a client, because it was just, it's this whole discussion of, you know, in, in FSI, there are so many people that are very numbers driven. You mm-hmm. know, they've trained their brain to focus on metrics and numbers and finance. And, and it's just like, that is law and that is gospel. And I came from a very different world of, you know, big ideas, innovation, creativity, whatever it may be. And so this this coming together of, it's like logic and emotion is really what the the battle the battleground is is all about. And so the point of that book was, how do I prove to the CFO of some bank that creative ideas are actually better for the bottom line? It's not fluff. It's not just window dressing. It's not just you know navel gazing. It really is a valuable valuable asset. And so I set out on that journey. But here's one of the catch or one of the restrictions that I gave myself is that so often creativity in our industry is subjective. 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to come up with some subjective case study of like, oh, hey, Apple did this creative thing and look how they made money. Or, you know, Microsoft did this thing and they made money. That wouldn't work. Right. So I wanted to base it solely on hard science, neuroscience, things that were, you know, to a logical mind, you couldn't argue against it. So that was really my journey of like, how do I prove the value of creativity? And that's, you know, of course, spiraled onto so many other topics. You know, how do I measure creativity? How do I measure the you know, if I'm doing the right things and how do I go about creating, you know, good ideas and blah, blah, blah. But anyhow, that, that's, that's really where, where that book all began and happy to go into more detail on, on some of those topics if you want. Yeah, we, we definitely want to. And, and actually, I want to zone in on something you said a little bit ago, which is the how you actually prove that it impacts the bottom line. I mean, we're in a numbers business. We're trying to make financial decisions. Good creative work is not cheap. So... I mean, you basically just said it, but but what is the case you would make for why it's important to invest in creativity? Oh, that's fair. There are so many ways I can answer that. I'm going to start with just with a cool story, and then I'm going to get into some of the reasons to believe. Last year at South by Southwest, the CIA came and presented at a creative conference on why we need more creativity in in the world, which is interesting. I mean, they're at, just like finance; they're all absolutely into you know data information, whatever it may be. And their argument was, and it's something that I totally believe, is that we have a lot of data. I, I don't know of any marketer who thinks that they don't have enough data. You know, we're, we're gathering so much of it and around this world. And, and the CIA basically said, even back to 9-11, 9-11 wasn't a problem of not having enough data. Like, th- that is not the problem today. Like, you look at the last 10 years and the, the exponential growth of data and the amount that we have is just astonishing. It's so true. But what they said the problem was, it was a lack of creativity. A lack of creativity in innovation, in human ingenuity, in us thinking through the problems and applying that data in the right way. That's the problem. So they went through this whole exercise of, of walking through, you know, the pitfalls of not looking at things with a creative mind. Where that comes back to my world of like proving the value of creativity, it it starts with, you know, I, I would say it's it's not so much of saying, here, go buy this software, and it'll track this and that, and then it'll give you, spit out a number and say, all right, you're at a, you know, a 3.5 instead of a 2.1. <laughs> like, that's not how it's going to work here. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, that would be great. But what it starts with is is an understanding, and especially as I would work through with a stakeholder or a, you know, a CEO or CFO of like truly understanding, it starts with a discussion where there's no heat, there's no project on the line, and it's really a philosophical discussion of saying, all right, let's first look at what what really goes on. Because I think this battle between creative people and logical people has been going on since the 70s, and, and we get, you know, digging our heels and we're unwilling to to compromise. It goes on between me and my wife. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I hope <laughs> Even so. in relationships, right? Yeah. <laughs> but deep down, it's like we have to understand, number one, so let's let's start from the logical side. There are so many studies that we've found in the last decade that prove that logic alone will not cut it. Full stop. We think that if we're rational human beings, that the more we can just slow down and really think about a problem and analyze and be very analytical, and there are many, you know, many in the finance world that that's what they've trained their brains to do, that we will, we will achieve the best result. Uh, there are studies, and I'm not going to go into all the details of all of them, but things such as, you know, proving that we can't physically make a decision as a human without emotion, it's physically impossible. Like they've gone through people who have, you know, accidents or, you know, brain trauma or whatever it may be that can no longer, that have no emotions. It's impossible. They cannot make decisions. 
We've also learned that, you know, we keep thinking that, you know, what makes us human is that the more, you know, by suppressing our emotions, those animal instincts, Descartes back, you know, back in the day taught us that fallacy. And the reality is, you know, in other studies that the more emotional we are, the more human we are. And actually our advantage over the animals is that we, we have a ton of emotions, love, fear of disease, hate, you know, all these things that animals don't deal with. Like as human beings, we are better served to have emotions and it's a part of our makeup. On the flip side of that, a lot of creative people are like, oh yeah, it's all emotions. Like we just have to just totally get into it. And it's a, and it's a feel fest. And that's not true either. You know, the way that we even, you know, in the book, I go through the actual process of making a decision of how you, in, inside your brain, from your neurons to, uh, to the synapses and what they're doing, what's happening. It really is just when you stop and think about it all, logic and emotion are the exact same thing. Like when I go through my human experience and I have, ex- you know, moments and, and experiences that are, you know, important and deep thoughts, like that's me collecting data and I collect tons and tons and tons of this data and it's stored in my brain. And the only way I access it is through an emotion because emotion is faster. If you've done gone into the two different systems of thought, you know, system one, system two, the fast or the slow system, we are able to retrieve all of those memories or create those memories or all of those things are based on emotion. Like it's a critical part of making a logical decision. So when you break all that apart and you tell a creative person, you know, the truth is, when you're feeling something and, and or you're you know going after that emotion, it is really just an expression of a crap ton of old data that's being expressed to you very quickly. That's really all it is. Lots of data coming to your brain very quickly. So the, the short answer is logic and emotion are to- totally intricate or tied together. You can't do it, you know, you can't make decisions. You can't have marketing experiences one without the other. You have to have logic, you have to have data and you have to have great emotions. And so far too often, in some industries like finances, we're too afraid. And so we, we, our knee-jerk reaction is to just go all logic and all just data and just tell me the facts and we're done. And in some other industries, it's all like, let's just, you know, touchy-feely. We're, you know, going all in on all this emotion. And the reality is like, no one has just one side of it in their brains. Like we have both and we need both. And it's that combination and really digging and understanding when are the right moments that you have more logic and the right moments that you have more emotion and then making a balanced approach to all of that in your marketing and in your experiences, that's where you're really going to have uh, a great brand and and build your bottom line and make lots more money. Like that's that's the reality. Yeah, it's beautiful to hear you articulate it that way. I mean, it's really really well said, and it makes me think about yeah in your book actually on on uh, page 123 something I noted. Uh, I actually have it marked. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, well, it's a good book, but you you said a creative idea creates a chain reaction that eventually turns into brand loyalty and you laid out like a seven part process for yes. that. So so the way you just answered that question what you're what you're saying to me is you need creative people to help you strike that balance and find that perfect spot where there's emotion and logic and it's expressed creatively. Is that is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And and if I had to you know, there's so many formulas of how that comes together. Like in my mind, everything that I'm working on right now with Adobe is this idea that it's creativity and intelligence come together to create experiences and those experiences transform the world. Like that's the formula. That's exactly what's happening. And that's what Adobe believes in. So you can't just say, it's not just 
fun, silly, creative stuff. Like we've seen over the years, like when, when you make creative ideas that aren't based on, and I'm not going to even say data, I'm going to say aren't based on insights, on human insights from the audience, mm -hmm. they will fail. Then it's just, you know, it's just shock value. But, and also if you have all the best data in the world, you know, analytics on, oh, my audience does this action 2.3 times per quarter, that's not going to get you anywhere. It's when they come together, when intelligence and, and as I said before, you know, from like the CIA perspective, for the last 10 years, we've had this, this gluttony of, of data, but not everyone's turning it into insight. It's that, hu like, like when you're looking for the creative insight, it has to be based on a human emotion. If I'll give you some examples, like, you know, if Keystone Beer, they had data that said, oh, our audience, uh, young men like to go hunting 4.6 times per year. That's data. That's not an insight. But when you dig deeper and say why, and you look into it more, you find out, okay, these guys just want to go out and be dudes and they don't want to have to, you know, worry about their spouses or girlfriends or, you know, being civil. They just want to go out there and be dumb dudes, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the human insight. And then when you start creating campaigns based off of those insights, suddenly everything you create is totally different. <clears throat> Imagine the beginning would be a matter of time. You know, we'd be doing campaigns on, oh, it's time to go hunting rather than you want to break and you want to get away. That's that's the difference between the insights. So in my mind, it's those two things coming together, finding the right insights, wrapping it with emotion, creating those those awesome customer experiences, because we've known the last little while, like the big differentiator for companies, it, it's no longer about, oh, we're, we're making our supply chain better, or we're, you know, being more productive or whatever. It's what are the experiences we're giving our customers, whether that's a bank or that's a, in, an investment firm. It's all about how am I making that a personal experience for my customer? That's the differentiator. So to do that, you need to know what do they care about? What are their trigger points? What are the things that matter? And then now I'm going to bring in some creative that hits on them, those emotional notes, and that's going to be a better experience overall. Yeah. I love that you're zoning in on something that really is relevant to this industry too. And, and I'd like to just pick your brain about that a little bit more because you mentioned a great example with Keystone Beer. But when you think about running a financial advisory firm or a financial services company of any type, and there is a ton of data, just like you said, but the insights about what's meaningful to those clients and prospects and then finding creative ways to to strike those emotions is, is very difficult for non-creative people to do. And so what a lot of advisors end up doing is they'll they'll go out and they'll just they'll use some canned marketing that's available, like some some boring templates, or they'll they'll hire a cheap firm online to, you know, do design for them just to get an, an ad out or something. You know, what would you say to somebody who's in this traditionally not very creative industry, who struggles with creativity themselves, who's very analytical type? How can they accomplish what you're saying? I mean, it almost seems like it'd be impossible for them. That's a fair point. And to be clear, I, I think, let me answer that two ways. Number one, the marketplace is changing on how we handle that. We have seen a huge influx of creative minds having a seat at the table. You know, traditionally, if you look back on a board of directors, they're all finance or operations people. And that's a very clear indication of what the business strategy is going to be. And I'll be very clear right now, like of the three, you know, classic business strategy models, two really need creativity and one may not. You know, if you're operational excellence and you're all about, you know, Walmart pumping through as many products at a cheap price, more power to you. And I, I would say maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need a, a design-led thinking or, you know, a, a, a creative mind. 
But if you're customer intimacy or product innovation, either of those two, absolutely you need it. And it's, and we've seen the trend of them introducing more of these creative minds and also creative founders onto the board and having a seat at the table. And I think it's really critical to balance that out because maybe, maybe that logical brain, you know, finance person shouldn't be handling the marketing. They really shouldn't. They should partner with the right person who who will do it right. I would argue that's true. Yeah. And the other thing is like if 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 you think about you want excellence. If I want a brand, I want excellence that's either yeah, product innovation or it's gonna be customer intimacy. Think about your journey as a finance person, let's say. You went to grad school, you went to college, you really studied all of it. You like you spent years and years and years training your brain to see the subtle differences of you know, of your spreadsheets or of your you know financial documents whatever it may be to to see what are the things i need to look for and how do i adjust and, and strategize around that think of it in the same way as when you're hiring or partnering up with someone who's going to be handling the emotional side of things you know you have creative leaders or, or marketers who have trained their brain for decades and decades to understand the subtleties of those emotional notes in in creative so it's not just a punch it out and you know say these words and and call it a day because it'll never work like that's the beauty of creativity is what was good one once one day is now forever ruined for every other day in the future because it's got to be fresh and so the, that emotional experience has to be unique and personal and you want to find people who get that who have felt that who have trained themselves in that aspect of excellence and as we, you know, as we look at this to what I see, the convergence of man and machine, you know, as we're getting more into AI and, and algorithms and machine learning, those are all great things of taking logic and, and, and scaling it up. But you also have to scale up your creativity. You also have to scale up the emotion. Otherwise, you're going to be left with just, you know, a robot. And again, from all of my studies in neuroscience, like even the human brain does not act like a robot. Like we are not trained to become more and more and more logical. And that's like the greater good. It's like this, This to paraphrase from Lincoln's cabinet, it's like a, a, a team of rivals inside your head. And they're all vying for different emotional notes and different, you know, human experiences. And it, you could put the same data in once and every day it'll, it'll come out in a different way. So finding people who have tr- trained their brain to understand those things and are great at emotional experiences and creativity and knowing how to, even in finance, you know, people care about money. People, you know, have emotional experiences around that stuff. Of course. Going in and finding out those human truths and then creating campaigns that speak to those human truths at a very deep level. That is gold. That has so much value for uh, in any brand, whatever industry you're in. It does. Oh. And you alluded to it earlier. You, yeah. you alluded to the fact that AI is creating more automation for people. But this is one area where regardless of whatever might become commoditized from a technology perspective or a financial perspective, creativity is not going to be done by robots. You no. can't. That's not going to become commoditized. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good place to invest. In fact, even at Adobe, like we, we invest heavily in our Sensei product and our AI and machine learning. Like it's It's crazy. If you have not seen some of the stuff that we do with Photoshop – as far as, you know, recognizing people, adjusting things, you know, deep fakes, everything. It's, it's insane. But all of those tools are just there to help your creativity. Again, back to the CIA example, all the data in the world isn't going to save us. But taking that data, making it easier to consume, easier to get to insights, and then us using, you know, our human powers of creativity and innovation and human ingenuity, that's where we're going to make the difference, especially in, in financial services, you know, it, gone are the days that it's just 
you know, if I offer all of these products and at a good rate, I'm done, you know, and then I'm, I'm suddenly going to win. Right. There's just, there's too much competition out there. And if you read, you know, there are books like Daniel Pink that talk about how the era of the wave of making process better or kind of knowledge worker tasks as your advantage are gone. And to, in today's world, the big advantage is going to go to creativity and creative thinking. And that's where you're going to not just build a spatula, but it's like, what's the right type of spatula? Or what's the right type of credit card? And what really do I package around it or personality I place in it that makes people connect and believe? And that's where you're going to get growth. So your differentiation, customer experiences. Yeah. And you just said a couple of key words. You said connect and believe. And you know when you're in this type of industry, there's a few things you have to accomplish to, to succeed. Number one, you have to get noticed. Mm-hmm. Number two, you have to be remembered. And third, you have to be trusted. Mm-hmm. And I know, Adam, you've written about how all these things can be accomplished with better design. But can you talk about that a little bit? I mean, getting noticed, getting remembered, earning trust. How does design factor into those things? Oh, sure. And maybe even I'll just back up since our conversation has been mostly about you know emotion. And when I say emotion, I'm meaning creative. Like when you think of an, a creative experience is usually an emotional experience. When you talked about that chain reaction, that's really part of it. So let's let's start with getting noticed because those truths of noticed, believed, and remembered, even back in my agency days of the early of the mid and late nineties, like those were the truths that we were taught. Like whatever you do, just make sure you get noticed. You got to break through, and you know there's a mirror sea of all of these ads, and people are seeing millions and millions of things every single day, and you have to break through it all. And the only way to do that is you know with the creative ideas. But if you stop and think about that from a neuroscience perspective, um, and this is a big, a large part of our whole discussion on attention span. There are so many articles out there saying, oh, the consumer attention span is shrinking. It used to be that of a goldfish of like eight seconds, and now it's even less. And there was even a report that came out this last March that was saying it, you have to have a second or sub-second marketing plan because that's all you've got with attention, <laughs> which is ridiculous, ridiculous. <laughs> You know, instead of having a 30-second TV spot, now we have to have a one-second TV spot. Like, there's just right. no way, right? There's no way. But when you think about it in terms of, you know, and I, I've done a lot of study on this, of, of the neuroscience of attention, it really has very little to do with speed and time. Nothing to do with that. And we're so fixated on all of that. When we want to get attention, it's all about, is there an anomaly and is there an emotion? Let me back that up a little bit. So Paul Zak, father of neuroeconomics, he did a lot of studies on like you could take an ad or a thing and go into a, a lab, hook someone up to an EKG machine or whatever it may be. And how do I see if that ad will produce results, aka money, bottom line? And so he figured all this stuff of measuring the vagus nerve and you know oxytocin and how is he going to get heart rate and all these all these great things. But the, and while we can't do that with every ad, I can't say okay, just take all your your creative ideas and go hook someone up and and see if it hits the threshold. We can't do that. But what we can learn are the lessons. And what he came out from that study saying is that the two things that matter are anomaly and emotion, meaning anomaly. It has to be something that's unique. And there are a lot of ways of doing that. Is it newsworthy? Is it interesting? Is it, you know, something different? And that's really, you know, when you think of like your slow and fast system as you're you're looking at ads, the reason why we can, the human brain can process you know, if we think a second ad is ridiculous, the human brain in nanoseconds could instantly process millions of things. If you think of your senses, you know, sight, sound, touch, all of that stuff, even just with sight alone, the amount of data that's going into your brain every nanosecond is, is there's petabytes of, of, of data. Yeah. And it's learned to sift through all that very quickly and only focus on the things that matter. 
you know, like they have the test. If you stare at a blank wall for long enough, your site will just shut off because there's no new data coming in, right? So I would propose and say, whatever, you know, the attention span is actually micro nanoseconds, 100%. And the reason why is because all it cares about is there an anomaly. Our brains are trained to look for the different, you know, something that's out of place. And so in your marketing, if you don't have something that's out of place, if you're taking those standard templates and just plopping them back in, you are wallpaper and there's no anomaly, you're done. The second aspect is emotion. And when we're making decisions, again, like I said, if you don't have a lot of emotion present, the chances of you locking in a memory are very small. Think of all the emotional experiences you've had. Like when something comes to mind, it's because it was heavily, you know, there was a huge emotion present. Same with ret retrieving emotion or retrieving memories. You've got to have emotion present. That's how the system works. And so from what Paul Zach said is, if you just take things and you make it an anomaly, which is something unique and creative or whatever, and then you wrap it in emotion, that will equal money, period. Like that's the formula. So stepping back and not having to do science around it all the time. Mm -hmm. If I'm just, you know, a marketer or a banker or an investment firm, like what am I going to do? I have to go out and find something that's unique, that's differentiated, that is unique to me and my brand. And then I'm going to have to make it an emotional customer experience. And if I can do that all right, then I will lead to loyalty. I'll lead to all those things. And it also, you know, even even with attention, like part of my book, I talk about there's, there's three ways that you could put out an ad and three things that could happen. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Steal My Strategy. I just want to take a second to tell you something really exciting. If you're enjoying what Adam is sharing on the value of emotion and creativity, then don't miss your chance to see him speak live at Jolt this October. Jolt is a financial advisor marketing conference that is 100% focused on showing advisors how to build a predictable and profitable marketing system. We've invited Adam and other brilliant marketing minds both inside and outside the financial industry to give advisors fresh methods, strategies, and the tools to scale their business. It's time your marketing got a jolt. Join us October 20th to the 22nd in Las Vegas. For more details, visit joltconference.com. That's joltconference.com. Now, let's get back to Adam. Number one, you could just have it just straight up logic and it's boring and it's wallpaper, right? That's gonna maybe hit the prefrontal cortex They'll think about it in their logic zone for just a second, then it's gone because it won't be retained. Number two, you could have, you know, something comes in and it's just emotional and they, they may like feel it for a hot second, but then it's not based on any, any like structure or path. And so, it, you know, the memory is not, is not there either. The best option is the third, which is you have the anomaly or the, the insight and you pair that with the emotion of the experience and your whole brain lights up. Like we can get into, you know, how we have different types of, of, of neurons that float around that are big and long and whatever. I'm not going to get into all that, but, <laughs> but just know like your brain will, the, all of it will light up, not just like the logical centers, but also the emotional centers. And when that happens, that's when you get noticed because you've got all the critical elements there and then you don't go under the radar. Then people pay attention and it's, it's not about, you know, attention is all about, is it, a, is it, are you giving value? Are you giving something interesting? And then they're going to pay attention. It's not just like I can throw up any ad and I have an attention span of five seconds and they'll just absorb it and, and agree to it. So that's why it's like, if you really, truly believe in it, dig deep, make sure you have something that's unique and has emotion. People will pay attention to it. If, as long as it's giving them value, they'll give you all the attention in the world longer than 20, 30 seconds. They'll give you hours at a time if you're giving them the right content and it, so if that content is engaging, goes all the way through, then you'll get to loyalty. So it all starts with an understanding that it's not just logic. It's not just analytics. It's not just data. It's an understanding of people are humans and we need to treat them like humans and give them all the right th things in order for us to connect.
Yeah, such powerful insights. And I, I hope people were taking notes on that formula because even doing that poorly will still be better than most yes. of the marketing in our industry. So it's a it's a good formula to follow, no doubt. And now, I know now, it sounds funny coming from a creative guy who I'm spouting off scientific studies and neuroscience and everything. I, like I it's just it's different, incredible. but it's like, to me, I had to also go through my journey of embracing both sides. Like if I'm going to be a creative leader, I can't just be moody about, you know, a font and colors and, you know, just sticking with just design things. You have to move up and really understand the whole landscape and embrace both sides. I think it's really important. It's it's vitally important. I completely agree with you. And and actually, I'd like to talk about the other side a little bit because we have talked a lot about uh, about proving the idea of creativity mm-hmm. or the value of it. But let's say somebody already understands the value of it, but they're trying to also justify it financially, logically. I mean, how can you measure the value uh, or the return on creative ideas or, or what should you be looking at? What metrics, what drivers That's totally to fair. help you justify those decisions? Obviously, there is an easy answer to that. It's sales. Like at the end of the day, if you put something out and sales go up, easy. You know, the problem is in today's world, people want that answer before you even put anything in the market. They want to send something out there and say, okay, how much money am I going to get from this creative campaign before I even do it? So true. And it's flawed logic. I, that, you know, they want to build the whole house before they get an idea of, of its value. And usually the way that we do it today is that we're going to come up with a whole bunch of ideas. We're going to present them to some sort of a CMO or marketing person. They're just going to like choose the ones they like. They're going to give it up to the CEO or the CFO. And they're going to, you know, no, 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 we'll never do that. Let's just go with this. And so then we end up with an idea dictated from the top without any data. Like we say, we're using data driven. Like they may say, okay, the data says the customers care about X, right? Maybe that's true. Maybe that's good psychographic data, but it's very old. What does the person care about in that moment? And you can't guess that. So what do we do? We go to focus groups. All right, we'll just put the, we'll test the creative in front of a bunch of yokels who come in at night who are not happy to be there. We ask them to do a very logical thing, give us an assessment of a number, you know, on this, on this creative. And of course, they're just going to, they're going to be putting on their logical brain. They're not emotionally connected to anything. And they're going to try and give you what you want. Or we're going to do an online survey. Same thing. Oh, survey. Fine. Like, you know, we're not getting good data. <clears throat> from those types of right. measurement techniques. Yeah, they're all flawed. Getting... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just agreeing with you. They're, they're all flawed. And particularly because you're also letting people make decisions who aren't always thinking about it creatively or emotionally at all. Not at all. It's all logically based. Correct. Anyhow, so we, we use all those assumptions to try and get at good data-driven creativity or creative that we can put a, a value amount on. So one of two things need to happen. Like there is a new model in this industry. If you think of creativity as more, more of in terms of like the scientific method, right? Like every financial person will be like, oh, of course I believe in the scientific method. We'll go out and we're going to test some assumptions and we see if it's right or wrong. And if it's right, then that's truth, right? So if we want to get to a creative driven, creative driven, let me make that a data driven creativity model. I think it starts at the bottom because you right now you could have some companies who may have a leader who's very daring and just say, screw it all. Like, let's just go out and do it. And then they get crazy success or they don't like it. It's just a hit. You either have success or you fail. Right. And that's not a model that everyone's comfortable doing. But what I would suggest is start at the very bottom. And we, there's a great lesson that we can learn from TV episodes on this. When they put stuff out in, uh, out in the market, you know, they can go out and focus group it and things like Seinfeld fail in focus groups because new ideas always fail you know, in, in an environment like that because people don't know what the new is. And this was so radically different, they don't know how to react to it. 
So instead, the way broadcast industry does it is they put out a ton of pilots. They'll put out dozens of pilots out there in real time with real audiences and see how it goes. The ones that do really well, they keep. The ones that do poorly, they get rid of it. And they double down all their money on the ones that do well. That's data. That's real data. So what I would suggest is go to your creative team and say, come up with half a dozen to a dozen campaigns with three to five executions for each one. Then on our cheap social channels where we can afford to try stuff, start publishing all of those ads. Put them into real life with real customers, but in a way that it's not expensive. I'm not doing a huge media buy. I'm not wasting a ton of money. And you just need to trust it and not be scared. And it's so hard to do that. I think most conservative people, especially in finance, don't want to trust that. But just send it out there. And you know, you may put out stuff that is scary to you, or you may put stuff out that's it's okay to you, but find out and your audience will tell you. And then that's real data. That's the scientific method. We test it. We put out assumptions. If the audience says yes to three of them and no to five of them, we kill the five and we double down on the three and we expand those campaigns and add more and more and more and keep testing and growing as we go. That's it. That's how you get data-driven data creativity. That's how you find out which ones are going to work, which ones have value, which ones are going to boost the bottom line is you start from the bottom and stop starting at the top where you know the CEO likes to play quarterback and comes in and says, this is what we're doing I, I, you know, because I love this style of thing. You know, that's just <laughs> that's wrong. Right. So that's my, my, that's my advice. Just try it, put it in market, let it be real, test it, grow it. And then, and then you will get great success because you'll see the stuff that's resonating. You'll see the stuff that your audience cares about because it's in real time. They're making decisions right then about stuff they care about in the moment, and they're going to give you a good reaction. And then as you move up into you know, you know, paid media and all of that good stuff or redoing your website, you'll have good data on what your customers care about, and then you can go all in. What you just said, Adam, I know from experience it is right, it is correct, it is true, and it does work. But what would you say to a leader listening to this who is saying, you know, I can't afford to risk my reputation by putting anything out there that's not completely on brand, that's not just right, that might get a negative reaction from the public. That's way too scary. I, I, if it makes me uncomfortable, I, I can't do it. That's fair. And I would actually argue that I didn't say it wasn't on brand. So what you said is correct. Even here at Adobe, if, if they came back with data to me and said, all right, people are loving cat photos on the internet, therefore all our emails are going to you know, include a photo of a cat. I would say, well, that's great. That's good data, but it's not great data for our brand. So certainly when you're doing all these tests and sending things out, all of it has to be on brand. And you have to be very crisp, very crisp on what's real and what's not real. I'm not going to go out and do something that's so egregious to our brand that it hurts us or ruins us. No one wants to do that. That's just stupid. But there is, there is a lot of flex within the brand. So I would say to those leaders, it's a give and take. I'm not saying go out and just do crazy stuff like, you know, back in the 2000s when we were in the dot-com boom, everyone was doing ads that were ridiculous. And it was all for shock value. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying be really smart and say, okay, if your brand is all about personal service or if your brand is all about smart investments, go out and do a half a dozen campaigns that are all about smart, intelligent investments and vary those those campaigns from really really you know you know with different emotions maybe some of them are really awe inspiring maybe some of them are funny maybe some of them are in, inspiring and and full of wonder maybe another one is really thought provoking i don't know like find the emotion find the range within your brand and then put out a bunch of stuff to find you know, fine tune that so i'm not t saying you know it's so funny like so many leaders get so scared and that's why they want the gut check on everything but 
I'll tell you also, like, that's bad leadership. If you want to be a good leader, you need to be intuitive and you need to understand that you're not just going to have a checklist in your head and anything that doesn't fit that checklist you immediately just, you know, kill and disagree with. You need to be open to like, put on your logical hat and say, all right, we're going to test stuff. We're going to see this. We're going to see here are the guard, the guideposts for my brand. Here are the things that can live within it that I, you know, that are on brand. What can I do and how can I find that emotion? What's the right emotion? The more you're like a scientist digging into all of those levels, it's not scary. And I'm not telling you to be, you know, I'm not some hippie creative just telling you to get out there and zen. You know, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm telling you to be very logical about it, but also understand the value of emotion and the value of connecting with those, with your audience. And then finding that right experience on the right platform at the right time. Like that's, that's what it's all about. Yep. It is, Adam. Hearing you say this, really, it's enlightening. And I think it's something that more executives in our industry need to embrace. And if they do, they're, they're going to have better outcomes. They're going to foster an atmosphere, an environment of creativity inside their organizations, and it's going to lead to better business. I know that you could probably go on and on about these subjects, and I'd, li- I'd like to give you a little flexibility before we ask kind of a final question. So before I do that, is there anything that you're seeing right now in, in terms of design trends or in terms of big impactful things that you, you want to make sure that you're screaming from the rooftops right now to let people know besides the things we've already talked about here that you want to make sure comes through on this podcast? Oh, absolutely. So the big trend for me and my platform is all around creative leadership. I feel like, you know, the design-led movement opened up the door by showing that, you know, design can improve the bottom line. And by the way, there are plenty of studies. If, if more of your audience wants to know, there are studies of how it can bring 210%, you know, design-led companies versus non-design-led companies versus the, you know, the S&P. Like, there's a lot of good data out there. And Adobe has done a tremendous amount of research on, you know, proving that companies that embrace experiences, that embrace design and writing and creativity, improve the bottom line, period. And th- there are plenty of case studies I can give for that. But where that opened up this opportunity for creative leadership, I feel like, you know, in the past, creativity was seen as, you know, the set of monkeys that are just making it look pretty, you know, the, the window dressing. And I feel like there is a new, there's a rise of a new generation of creative leaders who whose job is not just to finesse the, you know, the brush strokes or the or the the style of the writing, but to get above the craft and really create space for the creative machine to work, for opportunities for this, you know, when you just replace the word creativity with innovation, suddenly a lot of, you know, CEOs are, are okay with that. <laughs> but getting there, like the CIA of my beginning story, like getting there to that human creativity of taking the data and moving on, like there's this new wave of creative leadership that needs to come in, understanding the processes, understanding creative careers, understanding you know how we bring it all together, having a seat at the table, having authority. And I'm seeing you know things transition where creative leaders are owning relationships with agencies and extending their team and finding scale and going through all of this process and operation in order to make the creative product better. So that's the trend that I'm seeing, and that's what I'm passionate about. And what my books and articles and podcasts and, you know, webinars, they're all focused on that new generation of creative leadership. So I'd say if you're interested in that, let's connect because that is what we need to drive and get, you know, get that in front of the the board of directors of many companies. Because the result is if we can introduce that, if we can introduce the right creative leadership at the board level on all these companies, think of, of the innovation, also creativity that is happening in some companies in pockets. And it's amazing. And we're seeing a lot of growth as, you know, this new economy is changing, how experiences are evolving the bottom line. But imagine if there was 
a whole army of creative leaders that really understood all this and understood that they could speak business and they could speak, you know, it's like pens and crayons as well as speaking khaki, right? Like we can, we can understand it all. And then we are given the authority to drive the creative expression of brands in order to make those experiences better. That, that is like the utopia that I'm working toward. Yeah. Well, it's a great utopia. I, I absolutely understand why. And what I'm hearing you say here is if you're leading a company and you don't see creative people at the table, reach out, find them, bring them in and trust them to help you make better decisions. That's fair. And find the right ones that, that is yeah. or train them or whatever it may be, of course. Well, that's a, that's a really great point. Actually, it leads to the final question. If, if I'm listening to this, I'm a small business owner, or, or frankly, it doesn't matter. I'm running a big company. I, I want to invest more in this. Maybe I'm not ready to or can't afford to hire a full-time creative director to come in and, and do this for me, but I definitely want to act on some of the advice you've given. What resources would you recommend? Your easiest op- option is to scale, right? If you can afford to have that creative leadership, that creative team, that creative machine built in-house, awesome. Do it. And you start small, a couple of people, whatever. But if you can't, there are a kajillion agencies, you know, like yours included, that can come in and help scale the team. When I worked in the agency world, sometimes we were the in-house, you know, marketing department for some companies because they were too small. Or if you're super, super small, there, you know, there is a slew of freelance professionals who can give you strategy and creative ideas and whatever else you need. So I think the answer for scaling is pretty simple and easy of, of just finding the right partners who believe in the same things as you and understand your marketplace as well as you and just finding those people and, and working with them. So I think that's an easy answer. Maybe another thing you can do before that is is educate your, yourself on it. You know, that's where I'd say like, there are so many great books out there and I'm not even just... Your, yours is one of them. I don't <laughs> lose sight of that. Fair enough. Like add that to the pile, but there are a lot of good books out there on understanding this new creative economy, understanding your place in it and getting really pumped and excited about it. Like I'd start with books. There are a lot of articles. I mean, feel free to go to my website, Adam Morgan, adamwmorgan.com. You can go to my medium uh, publication. There's a lot of articles on, on, on how we're doing all this. Go to events. There's like Adobe has Adobe Max or Summit. There's a lot of great stuff there, or there are other events out there in the world that people put on from South by Southwest to whatever, where you can get good information on how do I scale, how do I build, how do I you know build up my creative muscles or find the right people. So I think there's a lot. It starts with education and then go from there. Yeah, excellent advice. Great closing remarks, Adam. Thank you so so much for being on the podcast for sharing your remarkable insights with us, and and to everyone listening to this episode of Steal My Strategy. Thank you. This is the podcast that delivers a glimpse into the minds of brilliant people like Adam Morgan. And if you want to learn more about Adam, invite him to speak or get in touch, visit adamwmorgan.com. And we'd also like to thank our creative team at Snappy Kraken for producing this podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it, subscribe to the series. And in conclusion, this is your host, Robert Sophia, signing off and encouraging you to keep fostering creativity in your business because emotions really do drive business. Thank you, Adam. Thank you very much. Thank you.